Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 482 of the JV Club with my boy of summer, McGizzy Pensonow. Oi, if you were listeners braving the elements, you already know what a huge fan I am of McGizzy, and I am so delighted to have had just just to just to have an hour to luxuriate in talking to him. It is such a great conversation. I know you're going to love it. Um, Please, please check out Reservation Dogs if you have not yet. It is my favorite show on television. I love it so, so much. And yes, you will hear me talk about it, but that's not all we talk about. So listen in and just a quick update on my schedule for September. If you are going to be in the Salt Lake area uh, or enjoy going to FanX in Salt Lake, I will be there the weekend of uh, September 23rd, 24th, 25th. I'm excited, possibly even going to head up into like some Wyoming slash Idaho country afterwards. Um, Anyway, I don't know why I'm, I'm pontificating on that. Point is, it'd be great to see you. And for now, just enjoy this episode with McGizzy. Okay, this is exciting. Listen, I've already put you through so much uh, fangirling. I don't want to do it again. But the problem is, is that now Reservation Dogs Season 2 has dropped. So while I probably could have contained myself for the period of time in which I had long since completed Season 1 before Season 2 started, I feel like I could have played it cool. Unfortunately, <laughs> that has not that's not the case because I've now watched the first three episodes. I have a thing where I can't watch every episode because that's uh, this creates an anxiety in me that there isn't one left to watch, even though they roll out like at a certain pace. I always have to have one in the can while I'm waiting for one to be released. Are you happy with it? It's so good so far. I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm very happy with it. It's all been a really wild ride. All of it, yeah. um, you know, from I'm sure we'll chat about it here, but, you know, going from being a part of a sketch comedy group that nobody knew about to gaining a little bit of, I don't know, infamy to having uh-huh. this this show that um, has caught everybody except for Emmy voters by storm. <laughs> Not this Emmy voter. <laughs> yeah. Not this Emmy voter. What a fucking ridiculous. I mean, come Wonderful on. Snip. Rest assured, uh, many people feel the way I do, which is this fucking great show, and uh, it's already paying off in a season two. Like I did not know how much I needed to see two of my acting heroes, Gary Farmer and Wes Studi, singing "Free Fallen." Oh my <laughs> until, god! So that, <laughs> until I was watching I, it, I have to say, so that was uh, an old fourteen ninety one sketch. Nice. Oh, I was going to ask you. I actually was going to ask you. mm -hmm, As a sketch comedian, I was going to ask you if there are things that get folded in where I was actually going to ask about Man Moon, to be honest with you. I was going to ask if to see because I was trying (laughs) to parse out like I could see that being a sketch that would stand on its own and be hilarious. Is that something that gets folded in? So I'm very glad that you actually brought that up about. Yeah, uh, well, that's. Uh, very astute because both of those are from our yes. sketches. Yes, <laughs> so my we sketch had, brother. So, so the okay, so Man Moon came from. We do a um, a sketch where a couple of us stumble onto stage and look out and break the fourth wall and stare out at the audience, and we do a like we're just a couple of like bumbling northern. Um, we run like a some sort of PBS type hunting show, and we happen uh-huh. to stumble into the Loveline stage. Uh-huh. And we're like, all right, well, I guess we'll just we'll just answer whatever questions you might have. So then we'll right. send Bobby out into the crowd or whoever out into the crowd. And then they'll, you know, they'll forward an- questions from the audience. Um, usually what we'll do is we'll try and stand by people we know and be like, well, this person thinks like, what do I do if I have an STD or whatever? Um, <laughs> and then we answer. Let's you know, go straight to that. <laughs> yeah, we we answer horribly or, you know. But one of I don't remember where in the sketch that comes from. I think it's, it has something to do with rite of passage. And the, but we talk about how, you know, how much we miss 
we miss our man moon. We're all backed up now. We used to we used to bleed once a month, and and it was like this <laughs> this whole thing. And we get we get into it. Uh, yeah. So that's where I man moon it. comes I felt from. It. And then we, yeah. That's so. I'm so satisfied. I really feel like I wouldn't have known that had I not come from the same background. And then <laughs> yeah, like, right. I, I know it. Yeah. I know sketch when I see it, and I love it. It makes yeah. me so happy. Well, what's great is that now it's a runner uh, through the. Uh, you'll see it now through the season. It, it, great. it is. That book, I think, is in the background of most of the episodes now. Man, Moon oh, by that's very satisfying. So, so. That's yeah. very satisfying. All right, <laughs> and then, I better oh, back up. Oh yeah, okay, oh, no, 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 please no, no. tell me. Well, well I, I just thought I second, felt yeah. Second, yeah, second sketch me. was. Uh, oh yeah, free falling. Yeah, yeah. Do a, yeah, yeah. We would do a um, a prayer like a sweat lodge sketch where it was mm-hmm. like basically there's just three of us sitting down in in a small space and saying we're in a sweat lodge and then that that format of like you know and I just want to pray for any brothers out there who might be mad at me about stealing their lady that time and yeah, blah, blah. And yes. then it just goes back and forth and back and forth. Yes. And to see West Studio and Gary Farmer do that was like one of the highlights of production. We were, Dude. you know, me and and Bobby and Sterling who are from the, and well, Dallas was across the bank, but all of us, we were watching this happen and we were like, we cannot believe that this is our lives. It's, so it's really, it's fantastic. really, really cool. Uh, I, of course, in my sketch group had, of course, sweat lodge sketches uh, of course, I had Van Moon sketches. Um, yeah. Felt entitled to all of that. Uh, the old no, standards. <laughs> the old state. We've all done it. Um, okay. So for everyone who may not know uh, what I'm talking about, I mean, it's clear that I'm talking about Reservation Dogs. I don't want you to have any more context for those parts of the show because I feel like you'll still be surprised by them, even though we've now touched on a couple of them. Um, I cannot uh, tell you enough. Uh, friends listening who do not know the show yet, please please watch it and please tell everyone that it is amazing uh, because it is. So just to put it in context, yes, the members of the 1491s who are a sketch group, which I definitely want to reverse a little bit and talk more about like when you started and also just you and comedy in general, since I like to get into some teenage years. But like, so, so everybody who is part of that group now touches and is part of reservation dogs in a very significant way. And, um, and so that's, that's why I'm, I'm bringing up uh, those two things and putting them hand in hand with each other. And uh, 1491s are going to be at the San Francisco sketch fest in, in January, provided we don't have uh, another rollout of something <laughs> that keeps us all from leaving the our houses. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. So when did you guys, when did you, I mean, I know some of the stuff cause I know uh, some of the stuff, but um, when did you guys get together? Where did you meet and, uh, and how did you form the 1491s? We all met in really, really various and different ways. There are five of us in the group. It's myself uh, the showrunner of Reservation Dogs, Sterling Harjo, uh, and co-creator of the show. My little brother, Dallas Goldtooth, who plays Spirit in Reservation Dogs. Um, Bobby Wilson, who is one of the writers and also plays Jumbo, well, now producers, and also plays Jumbo in Reservation Dogs. And uh, our buddy, Ryan Redcorn, who's also a writer. And, and uh, I don't think he's made it into Reservation Dogs yet, but he handles all of our behind-the-scenes stuff. Got it. <laughs> um, so the five of us... <clears throat> Uh, three of us are from Minnesota. Sterling and Ryan are from Oklahoma. And we've we met each other in really various and random ways. Sterling and I knew each other through the Sundance Institute and through um, doing independent films and, and uh, working out of the various programs that went through the Sundance Film Institute. Obviously, I know my little brother from being my little brother. Uh-huh. Um, and then we, you know, Bobby Wilson was like a friend of the family and sort of neighborhood kid that we all kind of knew. Growing up, um, God, what a great but, neighborhood kid name, by the way. Yeah, Come on, Bobby yeah. Wilson. Well, that's like that, so, he's, yeah. of course, he's down the street. Yeah, he's just yeah. Well, let's hold Bobby down there. Yeah, and um, but Dallas and Bobby or Dallas and Ryan knew each other from independently from doing a lot of like language revitalization work. Like Ryan is very much into revitalizing the Osage language, language, and Dallas was into. Uh, revitalizing Dakota language, and so the two of them met and knew each other through this sort of activism. Ryan and Sterling obviously knew each other from being just natives in Oklahoma together yeah. and working in art and, and all of these different things. And I think Bobby and Ryan knew each other through art, just like because Bobby started out as a graffiti writer and, you know, one of these kids that would hang upside down in bridges and tag things around sure. the Minneapolis area. <laughs> weird little urchin that he is. Uh-huh. And so we, at one point, 
uh, I found myself in a so, so I could tell the side of the story from my point of view because there's a, there's a whole other origin story where they all met at the Santa Fe Indian Market, which takes place every year mm. in um, August, and I was there, but not quite. There. I was in the periphery, like on the edges. Um, uh-huh. Dallas and Bobby met there, and they ended up sleeping in the same bed together because they were, they're all crowding into one hotel room because we were all very very poor. I was living in Santa Fe at the time, and so I was at like some of the same events that they were at, but we didn't really meet. Sterling was there, and it turns out the room they were sleeping in was Sterling's, and Ryan was just inviting random people, including Bobby, over to the room. <laughs> and the first time they met, they all ended up sleeping in the same bed together. Oh, um, very satisfying. Yeah, and in, in, insane. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but from my point of view, the the sort of origin of it, like my doing comedy stuff, started in I want to say 2006 or seven, where. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. I had done some like television writing and I wasn't really interested in the stuff that was out. And it was hard to get like sort of network TV jobs. Streaming was not a thing. There was not the same amount of content that was being put out as there is now. So we ended up, I ended up going back home to Minnesota and working with the Sundance Institute, doing like open writing assignment jobs and, and doing all this stuff. But it was never that satisfying. The stuff wasn't, A, it was never mine. Yeah. And B, the content was never that great. It was always, you know, somebody's poverty porn kind of idea of what mm. native stories should be. Mm. And there was never any lightness to it or humor. And it came to a point where we just wanted to like laugh and make stuff that would make us laugh. And and me and uh, my little brother Dallas grabbed this crappy little camera that he had. And we just went out in the woods and started recording weird little sketches for ourselves. That was it. Yeah. Um, and we put him up on this new fancy thing called YouTube uh-huh. <laughs> for, for our, our family. And we sent it to our family and stuff. But it wasn't it wasn't long before Sterling hit me up and gave me a call and is like, what are you doing in Minnesota? And I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm having this existential crisis, this career thing. And like my uncle was dying at the time and all this other mm. shit. And he goes, hey, I don't care about any of that. What's this content? Like, I mean, he wouldn't say content, but he's like, what are these videos you're making in, in Minnesota? And I'm like, oh, that, yeah. Um, it's we're just making ourselves laugh. And he sent me stuff that him and Ryan had made some like poetry videos and some other like, you know, some funny videos and some random stuff. And he's like, we should get together and make some stuff, man. Um, he happened to be coming through Minnesota to screen his second feature, I think called Barking Water. Mm-hmm. He Ryan Redcorn was with him. And we needed a place to shoot. And Bobby Wilson had the keys to a place that we needed to go. There was actually, so we shot our first sketch thing that we did together was um, called the Wolfpack Auditions because New Moon, the Twilight uh-huh. movie <laughs> sure. had come out. And so we were like, what yeah. does the audition room look like? Yeah. And it was basically all these people trying to out-end each other. Oh, that's great. And from there, I think Bobby's, Bobby's version of it is sort of the best. He was working with, like, he was doing some youth group work at the time. And nobody knew who he was on like say like a friday but then on a tuesday everybody's like hey you're the guy from the video like, oh this is a thing like, people are yeah watching so we started making more and eventually people started asking us if we do live shows and we were like if you pay us sure uh-huh. <laughs> <Why not? laughs> we so will we did, build the yeah. thing if you are <laughs> asking us to make it for a thing we, that you want yeah and we so we based it on stuff that we had watched forever i mean i think we definitely have a ripoff of the four Yorkshiremen mm-hmm. sketch from, <laughs> from Monty Python. Uh, I was going to uh, ask if there did, was any you know, kids in the hall in there just from because they were sort of like these weird punk rock. Well, Canadians. we had we had. Um, so we, you know, Canada was still Canada to us. I mean, we had some content from Canada that came out. But what Dallas and I had as teenagers was MTV's The State. Oh, sure. And so it was all the, you know, all the state stuff yeah. were, were sketches that we were sort of influenced by. We're like a lot of, you know, uh, it, it's a lot more surreal in some yes. ways than than a lot of other sketch sketch comedy. And so that sort of sensibility we brought into it. So and we were all, you know, we all bonded over our love of of longer form weird. I mean, you know, History of the World Part One, Mel Brooks is, is just basically a sketch movie. And Absolutely. we love that. And obviously all the Monty Python stuff. Something about those sort of fueled us. And so our first sketch shows definitely had some rip-off sketches of like four year men <laughs> and a few other things. And and then eventually we started developing our own content that felt like spoke more to us. Um, like as individuals, we started knowing what we wanted to do. Good. When you say rip-off, 
were you like, let's, was it like, let's try running this concept, this sort of general concept of the game, if you will, to use a UCB term, but like the game of the, of the sketch through like a native filter or yeah, was it, you much. know, so it was, yeah. okay. That's exactly. Which, so the four I mean, that's kind of takes, a great way to figure out what your voice is, honestly. It, it, yeah, it helped. I mean, that because we, okay, so we had the format of the four Yorkshiremen, which is these guys who are out, you know, out, um, trying to outperform each other about how poor they were growing uh-huh. up and how terrible they had it, yep. which really lent itself to us as like as native kids, like who were like, we uh, we did grow up poor. And so, but there was a, a specificity to our poverty mm-hmm. <laughs> that we incorporated <laughs> into our sketch. Yeah. And that's what we did. So we had these four like elders who were sitting at a powwow or something. And that was like, that was the thing. Yeah. So we, we did that game and then we, we sort of made it our own. And then when we started building our own sketches and figuring out what our own voices, we phased that one out pretty quick, yeah. but it was, that was definitely some of our earliest performances had that. And then yeah. because we, we knew what we liked and we knew it worked. Yeah. So. so you guys started doing, so you did start doing live shows because the demand was there. Um, yep. Were what were the shows? Where were you doing them, and who was coming to see them? You know what I mean. Like, was it oh, was yeah. it people in the community who were like, I recognize that, and I love that, and that's I totally see that, or was it people from all different kinds of communities who were like, I'm laughing at this. This is not my experience, but it's fucking funny and it's great. You know what I mean? It was both. I mean, oftentimes, for the most part, it was like a lot of native groups, and so, but by that, it's either native communities who maybe have some you know, have some funds for performances and things to come in. And usually that's somebody on a guitar or a flute or, you know, it says something really chiefy to the audience and they, uh-huh. you know, all of that stuff. But, um, uh, it's so easy to picture and it's so easy to picture you coming in and everyone being like, Oh, let me, yeah, like, I'm going to sit up in my seat for this. What's happening. <laughs> Whatever the native version of uh, pearls clutching happens. Uh-huh. That definitely happened. <laughs> clutching their turquoise or whatever. But we ended up so. But we ended yeah. So we ended up um, going to these places where people. I think. Um, well, we also when we started doing uh, videos, we also started doing sort of more serious videos called represent videos that we would put on our platform, which are like we would get invited to native communities, and these native communities we realized didn't have an outlet or any kind of voice to like showcase anything that they might be proud of and there's a huge diversity in indian country man there are over 570 federally recognized tribes that's not counting state recognized tribes and other people who are not recognized by the government at all but are still maintaining their cultures and ways yeah and we get to go to all these places we get to see you know this wide swath of of native america and so we would point the camera at that and be like, you could just put it on a platform on our YouTube. We have like a little bit of a following. What would you want to see? And so oftentimes it would be song or dance or, you know, I don't know, just weird little, little things that, uh, I don't know, I, even we wouldn't understand because we're not from that community, but to them, it meant a great deal. Yeah. So with that, um, oftentimes what would happen, people would invite us to places and and the groups that would generally tend to invite us would be either native communities or at the time, like student groups um, okay. from different colleges. So we felt very Steve Martin in that regard. We were uh-huh. like, you got to go and like, play for different college campuses. <laughs> That's wild because they have a budget, but it's like, who knows how many people will come? Like, I've done some college gigs where it's like, hi, five of you. They're giving me $2,000 no matter who's here. This is weird. That's, yeah. you know? that's, why, that's why I laughed. I was like, sometimes yeah. the worst, we had two incredibly bad, just like bombed out gigs. One was um, in Dallas's home community, actually. My little brother's, he's my stepbrother. So, his, you know, he's got a different mom and on their side of the community. We went to their community mm-hmm. and nobody showed up, literally nobody. The only people that were in the audience in this like conference room basically were people that were there on a trip from Minneapolis. They didn't, they were just happened to be passing by. Perfect. They were brought by Bobby's girlfriend, uh-huh. uh, who's now his wife. Um, <laughs> um, and, you know, even Dallas's mom, she came, but she sat outside the glass doors, just smoking cigarettes, occasionally poking her head in. <laughs> so we, it was a, it was a terrible Thanks, thing. And Mom. then the other the other groups that would bring us out, and the the worst audiences invariably would be these um, native museums. The worst one was the Denver Art Museum. Oh. The organizers were great, but yeah. we would get there, and there would be all these anthropologists being like, "How does this, you know, dick joke?" inform uh-huh. <laughs> inform what we know about native america today <laughs> so yeah it was uh it was 
you know, those were bad. Oh, my God. I um, feel like you must have had so yeah. many write-ups that were like, the irreverent. Like, yeah. I feel like yeah. irreverent yeah. was probably something that got and overused. We, and we are. We're, there's not a lot that's sacred to us. Sure. You know, and especially and foremost, including ourselves. I mean, our logo, if you see it, is an arrow shooting itself in the ass because that's <laughs> the first people we make fun of ourselves. Which are, you know, insecure, overweight. Native dudes, <laughs> like, you know, anxiety-ridden, um, wannabe warriors. So that's you know, that sort of threat has has followed us around any country, and you know, we've we've had a chance to like, I don't know, some reason, it's because I think we don't get like super native specific. I think because like it is about like more often than not, our the fourteen ninety one's humor was about um, how silly kind of uh, puffed up hyper masculinity is and how toxic that can be that I think that made it a little bit more universal and a, a bit um, a bit more accessible than others say like native comedians that were sort of more specific um, yeah. in terms of like they're more native specific in their content so yeah. okay we're going to take a break I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun It could happen to you. You're all grown up now, a professional adult with diverse interests and hobbies. And one of those hobbies is video games. You just can't help it. They're so good now. If that's you, we're here to tell you, you are completely normal. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And together we form Triple Click, a podcast about video games. If you think you might be a person who likes video games, we hope you'll give Triple Click a listen. Triple Click, new episodes every Thursday on Maximum Fun. I wish that I, I had like a grant to study the sort of like dynamic that builds in a sketch comedy troupe that if it's one I really respect, because I really do find that that particular type of like an improv group is different, which I love doing improv. And that's principally what I do now, mm. long form, but writing sketch and finding the voice, not to say that there aren't sketches that are one has a wildly different voice than the other, but figuring out what that sort of whole starts to shape into when you are coming from different places. Obviously, like you said, some some knew each other better than others. But the way that sort of comes together, especially when you're having these experiences what sounds like fairly early on in your inception as a group where you are also going to different communities where there are so many different voices there. Uh, that's I mean, I just think that's that's incredible. And it's intimidating. Like it's intimidating. And I think what I like about it is that it sounds like you guys did kind of approach it like, well, we could either be intimidated by this or we could just go fuck it. Let's see what happens, you know? And yeah. I feel like that's those are your two choices and you chose that the was, right one. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> right. Um, you know, there were and because like oftentimes, you know, because it was around school years and all that stuff, we didn't have a lot of time to and we would have rapid fire shows. Like it would just be like one after another after another. Yeah. And there was one time where I woke I remember waking up in a hotel and not knowing what city I was in. Oh, Turned sure. out to be Tacoma. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Found out later. Um, but it was like I, I we didn't have a lot of chance to or we didn't have a lot of opportunity to um, really ponder what we were doing. And when we did, I think we always sort of walked away with a befuddled like shrug. Mm-hmm. And I remember we Bobby and I did uh, this just horrendous TED talk. Um, I'm <laughs> in Canada and on the drive up, he asked me, he was like, why do we do what we're doing? Like, what, are we, what is our drive here? Like, what, like sort of thing. And I think we both walked away with this sort of resigned shrug. Like we're, I, basically nobody's had a chance to do it in our yeah. position before. And, and yeah. we're doing something new and we just sort of love to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I, I think we've never given ourselves a chance to doubt every time we've, we've done something else. Cause it, what, what happened with the fortune anyone's is that we ended up getting commissioned to do an original play at the Oregon Shakespeare festival. And when that happened, it was the same sort of thing. So, you know, when we first started putting up videos, people were like, you know, do you do like, do you do other videos like for, and we ended up doing a lot of like PSAs for different communities, commercials, whatever else, other things. Cause we just did video work, but 
they were they recognized us as people that knew how to work with cameras and they were like do you do video work and we're like sure yeah why not uh-huh. and then we figured it out um yep. and then it was the same with like sketches or like comedy shows we they're like do you do live performances and we're like yeah sure why not we'll figure uh-huh. it out <laughs> same thing with the play we didn't give ourselves a chance to doubt uh they were like do you do do you ever written a play and we're like no but we can do it sure why not uh-huh. and i think the same has gone with sterling's tv show so <laughs> you know yeah we Listen, we just sort of great. have this i mean i, I don't know this drive and this sort of innate faith that's like, we can, we can figure it out because we have the stories to tell. So that's, you know, that's always been the driving thing. Did Um, you, what was your uh, high school, what were your high school years like where you were in Minneapolis? No, uh, you were in Minnesota. I was, yeah, I, I grew up and spent the first part of my life in Minneapolis until I was eight. And then when I was eight, my mom moved this back up north. It's four hours north of Minneapolis, um, a town that nobody had really heard of until the first season of Fargo came out, mm-hmm. uh, called Bemidji, Minnesota. And I grew up there from when I was eight until I was 17. Um, and so that was, I was a very bored <laughs> student. Mm-hmm. Like I, if something came easily to me, then I just tuned it and I just tuned out. And then if it didn't come easily to me, I just tuned out. And so my <laughs> grades suffered horribly. Was it a public school? Was it, it like, was. was it a big sprawling public school, even though it was a small town, like where other towns fed into it or? That's absolutely what it was. So I mean, well, yeah. initially I went to, there's a native school outside of um, Castle Lake, Minnesota called uh, the Buganagishik School, um, the Holland Day School. And so I went there from when I was third grade till seventh. But then for high school, I went to the Bemidji Public High Schools. And yeah, it was a massive, I mean, thousands of kids, thousands of students. And, and it was, I would say, probably not a place I made my mark in any really significant uh-huh. way. I was not a, not a particularly strong student, uh-huh. um, was not like the class clown or anything. I sort of was just, I think if you were to ask people that were there at the time, they would be like, oh, yeah, he was there. Sure. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, <laughs> and he was also there. Yeah. yeah. Also yeah. a part of this. And uh-huh. uh, I, I, you know, uh, made my way into one or two pictures in the yearbook, but nothing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you weren't doing the, like theater or anything like that? Like, no, just... no. I mean, I, you know, I took some drama classes and I, I liked, um, you know, I liked English classes, drama classes. I think there was a film class or an attempt at one that I took. Um, See, even and, that to me seems like such a luxury, like film oh, in was, high it was, school. Yeah, it was huge. Wow. But I think mostly it was just watching various versions of Romeo and Juliet. And then I think <laughs> they tried to show us like Battleship Potemkin and everybody got really bored. So it was not <laughs> great. Didn't go well. But what, what ended up happening was for my junior and senior year, I jumped ship and I went to, of all places, New Mexico. There was a boarding school. In New Mexico that no longer exists. It only existed for four graduating classes hmm. from 99, 2000, 2001 to 2002. And then wow. after that, it shut down. And But huh. it was specifically tailored to give sort of a college prep education to Native students that wouldn't otherwise have it. Native students yeah. that showed promise. And although my GPA did not show promise, my test scores did. Hmm. Um, and my essay writing apparently did. And I, that's where I thrived. After that, yeah. it was sort of like I, you know, it was a very small school. We had like 65 students. Okay. And it was natives. It was native students from all over. Was from there the, a particular the country, yeah. tribe that like sort of hosted the school that founded the school? No. Or was it, no, it government was funded, funded by, or was it uh, no, Robert it Redford? By, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm ready <laughs> no, for it to be. No. Like, you never know. He tried to get in there somewhere. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, it was it was funded uh, independently by a bunch of independent donors. It was started initially as a college preparatory program by Richard Ettinger, who was one of the founders of Prentice Hall Publishing Empire. And he he his family, after he passed away, I don't think he got to see its completion of the first graduating class, which is a shame. But his his daughter and his family took it over after that, Barbara Ettinger. And, and they just created this space and it was all sort of um, individually funded by, by random donors. But there was some, some shakeup in the upper ranks of the mm-hmm. um, administration. And because of that, as soon as donors started pulling their money, it kind of collapsed, which is why it only lasted like four years, um, four yeah. graduating years. But for those of us that were a part of it, A, we're all still friends and family. Like we're all, you know, all these people. 65 kids. That's like. Not a lot of us. And we're living in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. We're in New Mexico. That's my next question. uh, 
outside of Pecos and okay. uh, like by the Glorieta Pass, um, okay. just north of Santa Fe. Yeah. Between there and Las Vegas. Yeah. And, My dad uh, writes books about ghost towns and mining camps in the Western United States. So not in a spooky ghost town way, like in a actual like, oh, here's yeah. how these towns <laughs> built up and then, you know, the copper ran out and you know, this is the, so, yeah, I totally. do a lot of traveling with my dad, especially through New Mexico and Colorado and Arizona. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. South Santa Cedro, all of yeah. that, like right, yeah. right on the, um, what was it, the Pecos River there. A gorgeous place. It's um, so beautiful. And as a northern But it is Minnesota the middle kid, of nowhere. It, it really is. But yeah. As a northern Minnesota kid who is, it's also the middle of nowhere. Sure. And grew up watching things like Young Guns and I loved Westerns and all that stuff. Um, was a, an incredibly romantic time for those two years that I was there, even though it was, you know, we were isolated. The space that we were living in used to be a like a corporate retreat type place. So oh, our sure. dorms were like bungalows. That were, you know, these, <laughs> yeah. like, incredible pretty, spaces. Pretty you know? nice. Pretty nice. Yeah, it was, we had no basketball court, but we all played tennis. Um, oh, tennis. <laughs> it was like, yeah. It was like, that is place. like, I thought so. that was the snootiest sport around. So it I'm super is. impressed yeah. that you guys yeah. play tennis. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But that, that, that's where I, I spent. Um, just getting my, I got my academic self together there. Yeah. And I think was salutary and valedictorian, one of those, the class and nice. did pretty well out of it. It was, and did, was you, were you yeah. leaning into writing then too? Like you said, you oh know, yeah, I, obviously I sure. know. Yeah, no, I, I love writing. Uh, even yeah. from, from a young, young age, I think I brought my mom a, um, you know, a three page when I was like 10, like a three page epic sequel to Young Guns 2 called Young Guns 3. And it was about the ghost of Billy the Kid haunting Pat Garrett. Uh, it was probably still the best thing I've ever written. I was going to no say, idea. this started to sound pretty good. Yeah. No idea what happened to it. I, I would love to have seen it now. I'm pretty sure it was written in crayon. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. But, it, you know, so like I've always wanted to write, I've always loved movies. And um, so there were a couple of classes within that uh, program. Uh, that school that I went to where you could sort of pick your own curriculum. And so one of the things I did was, you know, was screenwriting and, you know, studying film adaptation, like book to screen that's type great. thing. And so I just that's sort of created great. these courses for myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. That's such a, oh, that's great. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a really good experience and it, it ended up, but it also taught me, you know, not to skate by on my laurels kind of thing, which was mm -hmm. a good, I had, you know, I, I definitely had one of those experiences with a teacher, uh, this guy, um, named Steve Pett, Dr. Pett, who, um, taught at ISU, Iowa state for a long time. And then came down to New Mexico for this program, which is amazing of him. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I turned in an essay at one point, it was like the simplest thing. And it was like our first day there. And it was like, what brought you to school or whatever, you know, like basically some <laughs> describe your summer. Some <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I turned it in and there were no notes, no anything. It was just a giant red F. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the hell? And I went in and I got super resi on him and I like yelled at him. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, this is I'm like, this is not F work. And it was like, you know, and I think I pointed out the rest of these kids and I was like, I write better than all of these, you know, whatever, something really shitty. And you in know, front of them. Yeah, something. Very Look at these assholes. No. Yeah, that's uh, no. I mean, in my head, it was in front of them, but it was definitely uh -huh. in his office alone. And, <laughs> okay. and, and uh, I, I did not have the, the to yell at a teacher in front of everybody. Uh -huh. else. But um, he sort of sat there just really calmly and took it all in. And at the end of it, he goes, "Yeah." He's like, "I know you're a good writer. It's it, it's very evident." And I've read your essays, and I see this. He's like, "But you are not writing to the best of your ability and until he's like even in little assignments like this and until you do the only thing you're gonna get is an f so get the fuck out of my office and oh, never yell at me shit. again and i was like <gasps> and i never yeah. got anything less than an a minus in that guy's class ever again oh so nice it, it, yeah totally whipped my life around so yeah yeah sometimes you a, just have that that one person not to say that there guy. aren't other other people unlocking that in, in instructors but um so, so the social structure of being there, it being a small place and mm -hmm. the environs being sort of based around the school, like your social life was school, I would imagine. Like, was there a like, what, were you going somewhere on a Saturday that was not kind yeah, of within the occasionally general? Occasionally, you know, you would you'd sneak off. Well, sometimes there'd be vans that would take you into town, take you yeah. to Santa Fe and 
you know, people would try and sneak away and smoke cigarettes and whatnot. Uh-huh. <laughs> Doing really, really cool stuff. <laughs> you know, um, Santa Fe. Yeah, Santa Fe things. Cigarettes. Um, there were times though occasionally where I would we would definitely like sneak off campus and, you know, go running the woods and and uh it's so funny, it's all very like innocent. Um <laughs> I want to say like everybody went and partied and whatever. And that happened every once in a while, but mostly it was just us going off and like taking food and like running to the Pecos River and like going and swimming and sure. like, you know, like breaking away from campus. That was Do sort drugs of it. make their way on? Like, does it, does anybody like, I got some Not hot in any or some real way. There was, a, there was a dude who, uh, <clears throat> um, one time I tried, I'm pretty sure ordered weed out of the back of like some comic book. And then it turned out to be like these really like crappy seeds. <laughs> um, I get what you pay for. Uh, yeah. From yeah, whence it, was, it came. Exactly. Yeah. It was uh-huh. like, no, I mean, I got these in the back of like high times or whatever. Like, okay. And it was this, this crumbly, I'm sure, sure. just like some hemp. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. That was, but no, I mean, and then some people had more connections around the area than others. And so they would go and there were definitely like some parties in Santa Fe that I was not privy to, but yeah. you know, you hear about later and you're like, Oh, that sounded fun. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> were you dating? Never, you know, um, yeah, as much as you sort of can in a space like that. Everybody's yeah. at a certain point, everybody's you're either bonded for life. Like one of my best friends in the world, this guy named Ben and he's married to one of my other best friends in the world. Cause we all went to the same school together and they yeah. had started dating there and they, you know, they're high school sweethearts. And I, there were a couple of those, yeah. couple of those couples. Um, but yeah, in terms of dating, I think it was like, you know, Oh, you're like making out by the rocks. That's uh-huh. cool. And then nothing really much else ever happened. So yeah. Um, got it. Yeah. Nothing. Got it got it, it was like, and if there was any of that happening, it was not with me. So, <laughs> Understood. Um, yeah. Understood. Uh, probably, I guarantee not for lack of trying, but I mean, you know, it, I don't think I was the most awkward, but it was definitely like 17 years old and had no idea what I was doing uh-huh. with any of any of my body, much uh-huh. less as it pertains to another human being. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mostly it was like, yeah, there was some making out by the rocks and then you know, calling people your girlfriend, but nothing really ever. It was never really that sure. intense. <laughs> sure. Maybe that's for the best. I don't know. I mean, like you said, it's either if it's if it's like a, the strong bond that's meant to be great. But, you know, like I went to Northern Arizona University for my first two and a half years, which is reminiscent of Northern New Mexico in that, sure. like, all yeah. you want to do, like, I never, ever didn't walk out of my dorm or my apartment and look at the San Francisco peaks and not go, oh, this, oh, I'm oh, this is great. Like, this is just, (laughs) this is really, really great. And just wanted to be in the woods and you could do that. But it it was a very small theater department and it was extremely incestuous. And after a while, like, it's real uncomfortable. (laughs) People are getting hurt. You know, you get your heart broken and then you're in the play with the person who broke your heart. And (laughs) I don't recommend that, you know, like when I left, I left to go to move to San Francisco because I just really wanted to live in San Francisco is not a smart or thought out decision, but, um, but, uh, cause that's what, cause that's San Francisco. You know, you, yeah. you're called there, you're called there. You don't make the right, right decision. You just go. But I was, I was like, I felt like, Oh, this is probably good. Like this is, I'm watching things implode around me. Like maybe this is for the best. Um, Absolutely. So I felt totally, exactly the same way. Yeah. 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 No, and yeah. Um, and like I said, still because it was so small because it was such a weird, it's own little unique thing. A lot of us still keep in touch. You know, there's like, there's like a Facebook group. <laughs> like, Gotta be. You know, and the people that, the people that I was friends with and I'm still friends with, which is weird. Actually, I didn't, I never really thought about the weirdness of them, but I don't really keep in touch with Same. a lot of people from Bemidji High School. And you know, I yeah. had some friends there and I was there for longer, I think, you know, or for the same amount of time. And it was there far less, far less contact with those people than, than well, with the kids in but also, I mean, you're going from this huge environment that is not really what you're about necessarily as you're finding what you're about. And then you're going into this small place where, I mean, like, it, I hate to say that that experience would kind of like wash away some of the big public high school experience. But that to me, that seems like it would be a hard thing to to hang on to just because you're you really are taking yourself from this kind of like blur of stuff and then going into this place that's like, Every directive is this experience that you're having with these very this very specific group of people, and you're going to be able to relate to each other on that. Like, absolutely, totally. 
Yeah. The, the high, it's funny. The high school that I went to is very much, I don't remember when it was built when it was the forties or fifties. So it looked like, you know, everything that was in the movies from the fifties uh-huh. to the eighties. Um, yeah. It had the same vibe as everything else. So you could, I could always relate to anything I watched from like rebel without a cause on to, uh-huh. you know, I don't know. Why did the, just one of the guys, that's the first one that popped in my head. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so and you, you know, that um, movie fascinated me. Yeah, definitely watch that movie a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's like the era of. Is that see? That seems like it's like loosely the era of like Savage Steve Holland too, who is really doing like super interesting stuff with Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer and like that same kind of absurdity of of kind of a Monty Python flavor. You're like, oh, this doesn't have to. This can be an isolated weird thing that is connects in no way to anything else. And so it's animated, just like a beautiful, a perfect burger. hamburger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, burger playing a guitar. Like, and you're just oh, like, you know, so, so. Jamming out to Van Halen. What permission? You know what I mean? Like, what yeah. permission those those movies gave me to, to go, I, like, oh, movies could be like this? One of my favorite villains ever is the sort of spoiled rich kid villain on Nantucket from One Crazy Summer. Um, oh, absolutely. And he's, I, I don't, absolutely. I, he just like screams around and yells and is like pouty and weird. Uh-huh. I fucking <laughs> love that guy. No idea why. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, he's like weirdly British almost without having a British accent. There's a, there's a yeah. fayness to him that's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, you so. can't, you won't survive in the world. <laughs> like no. you're going to break, yeah. you're fragile. Super fragile. Like, yeah. Mean ass dad. Oh, what a weird I love. I could talk about the Savage Steve movies right? for days. By the way, also um, the best, the the best guy. We had a better off dead. We've done a couple of different things with him over the years at Sketchfest, and he's just the guy you want to give a bear hug to. Like he's genuinely I, I would that hope you'd lovely. Be, yeah, yeah, the guy that you would want him to be. That's he's awesome. the most delight. Oh, he's great. He's a kid. I mean, he's a kid. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? But like, mm. also in a he's in, in none of the ways that you would not want a grown man to be a kid. He is not that kid, but he is a <laughs> kid know, in the right good. ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cannot. Yeah, cannot say enough good things. Okay, so, well, what's, I don't. What's so, what's yo, no, I'm going to second to something. No, really, please, really quick. So because after I, that, all I was going to say was I don't want to. I could talk to you for a million hours, and I don't want to yeah. put you through that. So I just wanted to let you know I was aware of what time it was. It's fine. But uh, okay. after uh, after I went to school in New Mexico, I went to Wesleyan University in Connecticut. But I only okay. went for like a little more than That's a year. Super different. Yeah, right. It really was. Yeah. So I mean, I just I'm just like zigzagging. I'm trying oh, to make wow. a star Wesleyan. across the country. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. I mean, talk um, like you're getting, I, you were really getting into like every different social environment mm-hmm. I can imagine. Like that's, you know, again, as a kid from Arizona, I, th- anything on the East Coast to me is like super elite. And not, and I'm not saying it's true, but just the feeling of that feels like, oh, that's a different planet. Like that's not. Like I could, I'm never, I won't ever go there. I won't ever think about going there. It doesn't belong to me. It's not for me. Even if I wanted to, I don't get to. So I just sort of, you just go, "Mm -mm, no, that's, that's for other people. Um, And I'm always, I'm always so amazed when people are like, and when I, and we met at Brown and and by the way, Brown is like the one where all my cool friends are from where they're like, I'm kind of embarrassed. I went to an Ivy League. It was Brown. It was Brown. Give me a break. It was Brown. You know what I mean? (laughs) We, so I, the school that I went to was a success in that every it was like 100 percent or the high school I went to it was 100 percent college acceptance and like some ridiculous high percentage like Ivy League acceptance. Yeah. What I learned when I went to Wesleyan is that's where like the upper middle class kids who wanted to piss off their parents but didn't want to throw their lives away went to school. Mm-hmm. So if they, they didn't go to like Yale or Harvard or whatever. They were like, we can go to Wesleyan and go be a hippie for four years, like in a safe environment to be a hippie. Right. And I would be lying if I said that it the decision to go there wasn't mostly based on the fact that the movie PCU took place. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I just get to party for a year, like four years. Later. Um, it turned out to be only for a year. But uh, after that, I I, re- I didn't do well at, at Wesleyan. I, I was not doing great. Um, I was a, I was the only native there. And I didn't realize how literally, going from like you were this, literally like, the only native. Literally there. the only native. Um, so oh, I think sure. I was. I mean, why am I surprised? Why would I be surprised by that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that seems like actually maybe more than more. Yeah. more. That's too much. Yeah. Point three and seems like maybe you, that's you're overrepresenting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I totally was. Point oh three yeah, should have been more of us. Uh, but yeah, so then I went to again because of one crazy summer, probably. But also one of my best friends that I met I at it. Wesleyan, who's still one of my best friends on the planet. His family had a house on Nantucket. 
And I went and spent one crazy summer on Nantucket, which is <laughs> sort just of like just basically I was just living my way through Working all these your way through. You're <laughs> yeah. like, and then, of course, I had to move to Chicago because yeah. of Uncle Buck. Listen, mm-hmm. there's some fun stuff that yeah. happens in that movie. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to put on. No, that's Home Alone. Yeah. Never mind. I get the, I yeah. get the Macaulay Culkins confused. I get the <laughs> yeah. John Hughesian, uh, and Macaulay Culkin yeah. suburbs confused. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So you had your one crazy summer on Nantucket. I did. It was, a, it was a good time. I worked in a smoothie shop. I walked in and I was about a hundred pounds lighter than what I am now. And at the height of my like 19 year old, like whateverness, uh-huh. so I stroll into this place and I hear it's supposed to be this like really good smoothie shop. And I just gotten off the ferry and I walk in and there's stacking boxes and this woman's like, Hey, we're closed for another week. And then another one like sort of pokes her head around the thing. She's like, unless you want a job. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Wow. So then I had a job at a smoothie shop for the summer that's, on, on Nantucket Island. Are you it was serious? Weird. Was it really the, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. no, that is filmic. That is yeah. like super yeah. cinematic. Unless. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it was great. I, and I shop. sat there and I tried to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life and decided I'd not want to go back to Wesleyan and fight my way through all of that. And I was like, instead, I'm going to go and figure out how to like get into the film business. I'm like, I'm going to do this, like try and work in TV and movies. Went back to Minnesota with absolutely no connections and no idea how I was going to do any of uh-huh. this. <laughs> I probably ended up working for like a telemarketing company. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that was fun. Um, but eventually I, you know, got myself onto some PA jobs and worked my way around. And I wrote the whole time and I submitted to everything that I could possibly submit to. And so within a couple of years, I ended found out uh, made made a short film and then ended up in LA working for for ABC and Disney and doing some stuff for Bad Row. I wrote on the TV show Alias uh, for the oh, final wow, season okay. and you know tried to figure out what I was going to do from there. And <laughs> uh-huh. ended up, now we're full circle back to the fourteen ninety ones after that. Oh, now we're back to yeah. the fourteen ninety ones. Oh oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hey, kid, your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So, yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on Maximum Fun. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who? Yeah! I do have to finish uh, this uh, episode with a MASH game, a game of MASH. I don't know if you ever played it. I'm consistently surprised by who does and doesn't know what MASH is, but this stands for mansion, apartment, shack, or house. And <laughs> right. essentially, yeah. it's just like wish fulfillment in an alternate universe. Just like, we're just going to go nuts with just gluttony of things you love. Oh my God, so let's do it. all you have to do is answer off the cuff, um, okay. whatever you're feeling in this moment. But like, for example, the first one I want to do just based on our conversation is three movies from a bygone era um, so let's not place it in, you know, the last maybe 20 years. Let's go further back. But three movies that you can jump into and just be in whenever you want. Three, you're not reliving the plot. You're just with those characters in that world. Three movies. Um, so I would say Casablanca, the postman always rings twice, the original and the long, uh, long goodbye. <sighs> those are the three. I live not terribly far from where the apartment from Long Goodbye is and that little there's a little artist enclave that's sort of on the other side of the Hollywood Bowl. And it is very satisfying. Like some you're of making those me jealous. Mo- I'm telling you, listen, yeah. next time you're out here because you're not out here. No, I'm out here now. Yeah. You are now. When you said Pacific time, I was like, what? Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that you bought that you were you got a place out here. I thought that you were because I thought you were out and still like in a writer's room or something. I don't know. Yeah, no. We thought about There's it. There's a lot uh, my, of my girlfriend and I thought about like we thought about maybe we'll buy in Montana. That's where she's from and where I spent a lot of time. Yeah. Uh you know, but no, we we're here. Yeah, I'm we're telling you, if now. you ever want to yeah. go for a wander and see some of those spots, like I'm just near Beechwood, so there's 
there's just so many like awesome like oh this was Humphrey Bogart's house this is very cool like it's just you, you have no idea how fast I'm going to take you up on that that's okay incredible. good okay good <laughs> all the secret staircases all that stuff is what I I had to force feed myself when I moved to L A from San Francisco as a L A hating snob because that's what you do when you're living in San Francisco <laughs> yeah, you just totally. shit on L A and I was like please bring me magic I need something because I don't walk out the into the street and see what I saw in San Francisco which by the way also included people like shitting themselves and shooting up so. I I'm not being overly romantic about yeah. it, but it was weird to move out of a place where I was like in the <laughs> middle of the tenderloin. You know what I mean? I wasn't. Yeah. I was uh, I was in the tender knob. So I was like Sutter and Leavenworth. But it was weird to suddenly be in a place where like I didn't know any. I didn't know my grocer. I didn't know the dry cleaning guy. Like I didn't have totally. my burrito guy totally. down the corner. Um, so I really needed to like, you know find places that felt magical in a way that Los Angeles can feel magical. And this kind of whole area is oh, like awesome. replete with that. So, that's well, so to, awesome. be, to be continued. Okay. And the, well, so the other one is oh, yeah. I, if anytime I go to like the apple pan or one of these like old diners, yeah. or whatever, I pretend like I'm in postman always rings twice where it's just like, Absolutely. you know, you know, down home, old school, like forties, fifties vibe. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, all right. Great. Uh, next category. Let's do three people, three artists, and it can be a filmmaker, but it could be a composer. It could be a painter. Three artists from any era that you would love to collaborate with, uh, living or dead, love to collaborate. You may not even know what that thing is, but if you know you love this musician, you're like, we'll figure it out. You know, three <laughs> artists you'd love to collaborate with. All right. Well, this is going to sound so pretentious, but it's absolutely real. Um, the founder Sott, of Wesleyan. Uh, the founder of Wesleyan, John Wesley. <laughs> uh, no, um, the composer named Eric Satie. Composed oh, I know. Really, I absolutely yeah. know Eric Satie. Yeah. And I just like, the he is like, anytime there's like a cold morning and I'm sitting like, I'm like, I just want to take a bath and listen to this music. And I just want him to make stuff for me. And that's right. kind of, that's the collaboration. Um, uh, this the is, the, be, I appreciate this because one of my other things I often do with people is say a, a person can create your personal soundtrack for you. And like what musicians <laughs> yeah. would those be? So I'm yeah. almost feeling like maybe I need to give you that because if you think you have two more musicians that you would love to have like, oh, this is this is the McGizzy <laughs> life as, as filtered through this musician, then we can do uh, artists next. Oh, yeah. Nice. You got two more musicians right. for me? Who are creating um, soundtracks for your life? Yeah, probably. I mean, he's passed away now, but James Horner, who I think Absolutely. is one of the most, he's uh, like incredibly derivative composer, but also made it his own. He's this yeah. weird sort of Tarantino I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Tarantino music. You're not yeah. wrong, though. <laughs> yeah. And um, trying to think of other things. That, I mean, it would probably be Nine Inch Nails just because I am the age I am. Yeah, so, sure. You know. Well, you're also like, if you're getting Nine Inch Nails, you're getting Trent Reznor, who is but, also yeah. does amazing composition for, so great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Nine Inch yep. Nails, very smart. Yeah. Okay, and now we'll do uh, non-musical artists. Oh, there's, so there's a, um, with. there's an English painter from the late 1800s named John Martin who created these incredible landscapes and skyscapes. Some of them were fantastical, some of them were just like, whatever. But they, um, he, like, if there's like anything that's just like it's like Wagnerian in its epicness, yeah. And I just love the fact that he's an English guy named John Martin who uh -huh. made these like. Uh, oh, I have to look him up. Stuff. I yeah. wonder if I would recognize um, it and not know that's who I was looking. At. I would like him to just paint aspects of my life to make them more yeah. epic than they than they were. Um, Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then um, I mean, it's, if I'm being honest, like if I'm just being like the weird shitty film school kid that I'm, it's probably just Be Kubrick it. in the yeah. end. You know. Okay, John Martin, yeah. Kubrick. Give me one more. Oh, and uh, Dashiell Hammett, probably. Great. That would be the other. Yeah. Great, great, great. Mostly because of the Thin Man. And that's just because I it's I think it's one of the best movies that's ever been. Absolutely. It's a great choice. Okay, next category, three foods that in this reality, maybe you don't consume because uh, it's something you had once super far away and you've never been able to recreate it. Or it's something you grew up with, but you don't get to have it every day. Or you feel it's bad for the earth or your body. In this world... All bets are off. Like all of that is wiped away. Nobody's getting hurt. Zero ramifications. You can have it as much as you want. Snap of your fingers. Three free foods. Oh, okay. Um uh oh, sweet. Um oh, I know. The um Yorkshire pudding. Great. Any old day of the week. It's the worst thing in the world for you. It's all just like fat <laughs> yeah. and grease and amazingness. Great. Um Yorkshire pudding probably three times, but uh, I'll uh -huh. think of a couple others <laughs> just kind of. There was um 
In New Mexico, when I was a teenager, I had the best omelet I've ever had in my entire life, a green chili, and it was like this amazing. I've never about. been able to find where I had well, that again. Well, let me again. just say. Um, was there yeah. any question that there was going to be green chili in it? You're going to get green chili. You don't have a choice. And I, yeah. that's one of the things I love about it. Yeah. Great. The um, perfect omelet that you had that one time. The uh, Burger King sausage, cheese, and egg burrito. It is horrible. <laughs> horrible for you. Not it's in this realm sauce. that we're building. Oh, I just love it. I just love it so much. Okay. All right. Great. All right. Uh, MASH always has a component of fantasy uh, romance. This is an alternate universe. All due respect to your beautiful lady. Um, You're not crossing paths in this universe. So three people, they can be (laughs) any age, any era. They could be cartoons, video game characters. I don't care. Three people you'd like to have some short or long uh, term romance with or sexy times. Like like any era, including nowadays? Any era. Okay. Let's see. But the nowadays are the more likely that you will meet this person tomorrow and be like, oh, I, hello, I. There's no way. I would would stutter drool and walk away if it was. uh, Monica Bellucci would be the first one. Oh, please. Um, Absolutely. Good uh, gravy. (laughs) Um, Like, I feel bad because she's such a wonderful actress, but she's so gorgeous and dynamic and sexy that I feel almost guilty after I've watched a movie with her. I'm like, I know she was great in it. I'm sure she was. <laughs> she, but I, just, I was kind I of was in a just, trance. I was in a staring. little bit of a trance. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Great. Yep. Bellucci got her. Two um, more. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, Monica Bellucci, Idris Elba, and Ava Gardner. Those would be the three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Yep. I got to live in uh, a house that Ava Gardner lived in for like six months. Uh, again, between where I am now and the place I was just telling you about, it was (laughs) super cool to just be like, these same like hippie flagstones are the ones that like (laughs) she had a couple of weird parties at, you know, it was great. Um, Okay. Uh, Next category, uh, and I'll try to zoom through these so I don't keep you forever, but there's three more. Uh, So next category is uh, three places in the world that do exist that we can teleport you to and you can have another home. So it could be um, a bustling city, could be middle of nowhere, Whatever you want. Anywhere cool. in the world. Uh, Rome. Great. Um, literally anywhere in Rome. There's a small town north of, between Lincoln and Omaha, that is probably the most perfect Americana type place. So there's like yeah. the gremlins will attack there. Uh-huh. You know I mean? <laughs> yes. There. I don't know what it's called, but okay. there. Okay. All right. I'm going to put um, gremlins town. Gremlins town. Um, I don't know. There's, so I, there's no real, it's a place that only exists in my imagination. But okay. there's like, there's like it. a, there's like this. Some sort of like a gorgeous shack outside of Kingman, Arizona, that I'm just like. Dude, so what is happening? I love, I love you, the you're, you're into of my the look. you're into my state. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I, like I, going I've to be there. Loved. I'm going to drive through Kingman this weekend to go That's visit my dad in Northern That's Arizona. I That's great. My my drive east to west from you know on the 40 from Santa Fe to or wherever from yeah. Albuquerque to to LA. Whenever I see the mountains there, I'm just like. I can just sit here. I'll just watch the sunset here and nowhere yeah. else, and it's like a happiest yeah. place in the world. But so you're you're talking about the same mountains that I was just talking about. No, yeah. are, are you yeah, not? Yeah, you're yeah. looking at the San totally. Francisco peaks. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. So good. Best. So good. Yeah, um, I didn't realize that that's what that was, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was like, it, yeah. eh, hold on, mountains. Wait, we. I know this. Um, okay. Uh, the, okay. Last, second to last, alternate careers. You get to put on a different job for however long it works for you, just to see oh. what it feels like. Oh, <laughs> um, something like something. Well, something really crafty. So I don't do anything with my hands, but it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's super old school to be like tinkerer, like mender of pots, but like something like that, something yeah. where it's like little bitty things that I can just fix up. Like, yes, little bitty bits of metal that I can just like mend together. I have yeah. no idea how to do it, but it would be I, something I that I would I want to do. Yeah. Tinkerer is, uh, you got me a tinkerer. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. Okay. But it's uh, like the more. complete opposite of what I do. I'm just uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. A little fine, fine work. Yeah. I love miniatures. So I'm I'm, yeah. I'm responding to that in a, uh, even though that's like, I don't know, something so magical. I'm so, I think that's yeah. like a, a girl thing. I think a lot of women are like, I don't know if it's small. If it's a small <laughs> yeah, right. scale, if it's a small yeah. scale, it's a teacup. It's a teacup. Yep. Don't you see? You either get it or you don't. And I fully understand people who don't get it and are like, (laughs) what a phenomenal waste of time and money. Oh, yeah. What purpose is this serving? (laughs) 
but it's tiny. Okay. Tinkerer, give me two more. Okay. Um, uh, buckler of swashes. Mostly I just want to, I just want to hop on a ship and, you know, run around the world somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but not in any real way. I don't want to transport cargo. I just want to attack other ships. Transport cargo, um, transport yeah. disease, transport. Yeah. yeah. Colonialism. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and honestly, I, I worked it for a couple of summers. I really actually do like doing construction, like yeah. old school, like cement work. Yeah. Um, I did it only for a few summers in like my early 20s. And it was incredibly satisfying. Like it's, yeah. it's really weird. And I'm sure that people who have been doing it for 20, 30 odd years are like, man, F that. Like I'd rather be doing anything else. Yeah. But that's not the point of the game. That was, no. they were very, they were very, very um, fulfilling times. So. I get that. I absolutely get that. I get myself into a lot of trouble because I really enjoy doing, make, doing things. And then I, and then I'm like, should not have lifted that. Should not have lifted that. <laughs> yeah. Should not have hammered that. Should not have lifted that. Should not have even moved in that Should not have moved. Way. Should have, shouldn't have walked towards it. Um, yep. Okay. And then final category. Uh, listen, we got we to gotta give some love up to the Avatarverse since that's how you and I met. So let's do three places or characters that you would love to engage with from Avatar The Last Airbender. So it's oh, kind of yeah. widening it out. Like you could mm-hmm. say you want to go to Ember Island, but you can also say you would love to hang out with Sokka, like sort of open. Yeah, well, I would not want to hang out with Sokka. I feel like that would get old <laughs> pretty fast. Um, but, uh, but I would, okay. There are, there. okay, so in the Avatar verse, there are things that I would have liked to have seen. I would I would have liked to have seen uh, Karuk and Kiyoshi's time. Like yeah. those are the, those are the things that I would like going back, filling that out more. Those are yeah fascinating things. There's, <laughs> I, I, it's funny because I, I I've given all of these things a lot of thought. I mean, you watch the show and you sort of like put yourself in that position, yeah. and <clears throat> um, I have always thought of like the Southern Water Tribe is like because it's like the the first place you're kind of introduced to, and yeah. and it's sort of like. That's a thing you want to do. Just want to like race down, crush some penguins, and slide around. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And, and uh, the northern water tribes always sort of seem sort of boring in a weird way, like a it's little pre- too. It's real fancy. It's a very confident, too, fancy place. Yeah, a little too well, reverent to. Yeah. To, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm a fan. I know, but well, and you feel that south. to feel that tenderness too towards that southern water tribe. You know, you not only get to see what's joyful about it, but you also are immediately like imbued with this like don't fuck with the southern no like leave (laughs) them alone they've been through enough and they're awesome don't do it like it's but it feels good to to (laughs) feel that protectiveness do you know what i mean yeah totally uh great okay (laughs) all right i've got do you want uh, i got got karuk i sort of put karuk and kiyoshi in the same line and then i said southern water tribe but i could also separate them so that it's all like all about kiyoshi Maybe I'll just do that so I don't put you through. Unless you have another thing that you're like, it's at the top of mind. I mean, I would love to see you hang out with Iro. A lot of people say that, but it probably would be very cool. Uh, <laughs> if you want to have some tea with him, that's fine. Otherwise, I mean, everybody, I mean, I think everybody wants to hang out with Iro. I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, oh, you know what I would want to do? I would want to go see some of the games that are like, oh, yeah. like go hang out in a stadium. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, you Absolutely. Know, hang out in chorus time, and I also, you know, watch some airball in the Air Nomad. Um, yeah, I would watch some airball. That would be fun. Great. Yeah. Okay. Those Perfect. are the kinds of th- those are the kinds of things that I'm like, oh yeah, this is the kind of stuff that I want to do here. Like go to a football game. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah I'm gonna go there. Wait, too. wait, there is that there. Great. Um, okay. All right. So all that's left now is for you to give me a number between one and five. Four. Okay. Great. And while I do that, would you mind, and I hate to use the word vamping because this could all be edited out and it will seem as if I've done this in one second, but uh-huh. I also encourage you to tell people about Reservation Dogs, anything else that you would like people to check out that you are feeling proud of or are a fan of um, in your world right now. And I will be right back with these uh, results of your okay. <laughs> guaranteed MASH alternate universe life. Okay. So the big things that I'm working on right now are Reservation Dogs and also a show coming up on Apple, Apple TV Plus called Government Cheese. Both okay. of these, um, I'm very happy and proud of the work that I've done. And they are very different shows. And I would 
the thing that I've always wanted to enjoy in terms of a career is variety. And so far I've been doing all right. You know, yeah. I actually also, I'm going to plug the old school. I'm going to plug, plug Barkskins for no reason whatsoever, because I was hoping you'd bring up Barkskins. It's a, it is a, a one season show that did not get a second season that I am so insanely proud of because the production was Gorgeous. super epic and incredible. And we got to go carve out like old school Hollywood stuff, carve out a whole, a full on French village and a bunch of like That's native villages amazing. in the middle of nowhere in Canada. That's amazing. Awesome. I feel like you can find it. Cause I know I watched it. I mean, I actually got like, got, wasn't Nat Geo or something. It I got Geo, it yeah. to, to have access to it, but I feel like you can get it on like Apple TV now or something. You can find it and like rent or buy the season. I'm it's, People, please do it. Okay, I have your mm. results. I feel okay. like you're going to be happy with this. It's a uh, speaking of uh, diversity in uh, lifestyle as diversity in your work. I want to congratulate you first on your. Uh, you, listen, we'll start with Avatar. You're going to be able to dive in and just fully expand out that the world of Kuruk or the world of Kiyoshi. Get uh, their time expanded and get to see lots of. Um, little things that are happening inside that time frame. Um, speaking of little things, I want you to know you are a tinkerer extraordinaire, <laughs> yes. which I love because I feel like that's not really a job. Like based on what we were discussing that you would be doing, yeah. it feels like you can do that in your spare time. Yeah. It feels like something that is going to be enjoyable to you as you look out at the San Francisco peaks in your we're going to say it's an apartment because MASH stands for Mansion Apartment Shacker House. You didn't get a, a shack. But I feel like apartment is the next closest thing. So hmm. you got a little apartment uh, looking, doing some tinkering. Weirdly, also, whenever you want, even there, unlimited Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> kind of a weird, kind of a yes. weird vibe. <laughs> kind of oh a weird vibe. I feel Delicious. it. Delicious. I love also the idea of all of this happening with a James Horner soundtrack that is <laughs> new and just for you, exists solely for you, and somehow captures Beautiful. the nuances of all of these different things that you're experiencing in your life. If that weren't enough, and if you need a little break from that, feel free to go ahead and pop into the long goodbye whenever <laughs> you feel the urge to just get that world all over you. And I'm also very excited to see these things work well for me. There is no way that somehow your romance with Monica Bellucci is not going to somehow be reflected in some work of John Martin's that has this sort of <laughs> sweeping like ethereal what is happening like whether or not she's just standing in front of it somehow those two things go very well together oh, in my opinion uh so these are all the things that you get to look forward to in your mash future um congratulations that's a beautiful life uh, that is it's a not beautiful bad life. it's not bad the yorkshire pudding really threw me for a loop when i imagined you eating it while you tinkered in kingman and that was very satisfying very satisfying yeah. Um, and then uh, I'm letting you go. The last thing I do is I do because I only interview gents uh, in the summer and uh, Steve A.G. coaxed me into calling it my Boys of Summer series many years ago. I invite people to sing or say or make up uh, a tiny snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. Do you know any of it? And can you conjure any of it right now? Yeah, don't look back. You can never look back. <sighs> and that's, it. that's all I want. <laughs> That's all you get. I like it it's get sort of movie. turned into a, a soda jingle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something about it was like right. you were refreshed at the end. Yeah, you were very I refreshed. So yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Mike Izzy, thank you so much for doing this. Um, oh, it's just a, such a awesome. the podcast exists for me to just weasel my way into your life little by little. So uh, <laughs> I feel I've been successful. I'm on step two now. And uh, I'm also going to see you soon for Braving the Elements. So everybody, yeah. please go check out all of the things that uh, you just heard about because they are as good as you would hope they would be. Um, and I will talk to you all next week. The show is produced by Julian Burrell and Christian Duenas. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Remember when we could save kittens from trees. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.